At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. I think it was when I was doing gnocchi rolling, and at the end of the night, my back really started hurting. It went all day. It was like me over a table, bent over, rolling gnocchi from like nine until nine. And I, I, my, my great aunt Linda was like the sweetest kind of grandma, Italian grandma, and she was kind of always a little like short and hunched over a little. And I felt like her that night. I was just like, oh my God, how am I gonna walk on, down the aisle in a few days? My back really hurts and I feel hunched over. Um, so it was that moment that I was like, this might have been a little crazy. Welcome to Burnt Toast, a podcast from Food 52 for people who never stop wondering about food. And today, who wanna know what it's like to cook all of it for their entire wedding. I'm Kenzie Wilbur. My name is Jill Santa Pietro. I'm a recipe developer, recipe tester, do some food styling. I am here to tell you about my wedding, which I actually catered, which sounds crazy and it might be crazy. The gnocchi with tomatoes right on top. I'm in Jill's Brooklyn kitchen to make that very same gnocchi, a recipe she hasn't cooked in eight years since she made every last piece of pasta served at her reception by hand. So how did she get to the point where she was hunched over a table for nine hours rolling 3,428 gnocchi? So John and I met at the butcher shop. We, had our first, we first met there. We had our first date there. We had a lot of, like, we got engaged there. So we had a lot of firsts there. And it just felt like a natural thing to have the butcher shop and Barbara Lynch cater our wedding. And we started, we created a menu based on a lot of the food at the butcher shop that we loved. And then we, you know, we started looking at the food and I thought, you know, this is really not that hard. And I thought, I can do this. This is easy. Easy is relative. In addition to being a recipe developer and the kind of person who hones her bolognese for fun, Jill had worked a lot of catering and she had friends in the business. If there's a type of person who should be making the food for her own wedding, Jill is it. We just realized that price-wise we were going to save half the money that a wedding would cost. So it was a significant savings, and we kept thinking, you know, we would like to have a place someday. Let's put maybe some of that money towards a place to live. So it was a little, my, you know, I remember John looking at me like, really, you want to do this? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I do too then. And my mom, like, kind of, like, her eyes widening, widening and going, oh, my God. <laughs> but they were, you know, they were game. My parents were totally game. So she got to work on the menu. The wedding was being held at a yacht club, a yacht club Jill jokingly refers to as more like a dinghy house. And it was set to start in the late afternoon. Jill and her husband-to-be, John, would be coming in on a boat. 
From that moment, she'd have 120 people to feed. We started like Cape Cotty um, because we were on the Cape, so we thought we'll do lobster, mini lobster rolls made out of um, shoe dough and like the lobster rolls in them. We did little mini crab cakes. We did mini corn chowder and mini clam chowder. Jill shared the prep list and meticulous catering instructions with me, each its own opus of detail and context. These appetizers were to go out from 5 to 6 p.m. and deliberately. The instructions read... For this part, only beverages will be handled by us, not the bartender at the Yacht Club. The Prosecco wines and bottles of water will be under the tent in a large cooler. Set up rows of champagne flutes. Guests will grab a glass of water. Prosecco then sit down. A three-piece band will be playing jazz music. Ceremony. Please serve past appetizers immediately post-ceremony under the tent. Napkins and ceremonies will be provided. Try to push as many apps out the door as we have. (laughs) We need people to eat this food because there's not a ton of courses thereafter. (laughs) And then we moved in like sort of more into the yacht club area and the patio where there, there were these amazing sausages that Tim brought and I had done tons of, then we moved to Italy, like sort of not really because the sausages were German. So there was really no theme actually like Cape Cod, Italy, Germany, and back to America. And so I had done, I had lived in, spent a little time in Italy and Sicily and I, we'd done a lot of bottling up of eggplant and red peppers and olives. So I bottled up a bunch of stuff before the wedding, like three weeks before the wedding. I put under oil eggplant, red peppers, and uh, olives. And so we served a huge crostini um, antipasti plate. We also had salami. And so we, we got my brother-in-law's from Seattle, so we brought salumi in, yes. and we had frammani salami, and we bought ourselves um, a salami, um, a meat slicer. That was like our gift to ourselves for a wedding, and a huge chest freezer. So the antipasti was really nice. We had like grazzini and all those things spread out, and then the cheese bar and the, the sausage bar. And then we kind of went into the main area and sat down, and everyone had seated plates, and we did a salad, which was my signature salad at the time, which I sometimes still make, but it really feels updated at this point. It yeah. feels very early 2000s, um, mid-2000s to me. <laughs> and then we did the gnocchi with bolognese sauce and um, like an eggplant norma for vegetarians. And To pull this off, and- Jill would need almost 30 28-ounce cans of tomatoes, over 30 onions, 30 stalks of celery, and 30 carrots. She'd need 76 bay leaves in total and more olive oil than you've probably ever stocked at one time. She'd need 34 pounds of potatoes and 30 eggs and 45 cups of flour, and that was just half of it. And then after that, it was really just salad and gnocchi. That's why my mother was like a little bit freaking out because... She's like, well, where's the starch? I'm like, well, the starch is the gnocchi. And well, where's the, where's the meat, the bolognese? And where's the vegetable, the salad? You know, so she just had this thing in her mind that like, this is a wedding and you have to have a filet mignon or a lobster tail, a sa- you know, starch, some potatoes and some green beans. And I was like, well, we're not, nothing's traditional about this wedding. I mean, nothing really was traditional about it. I didn't have bridesmaids. I didn't have a wedding party. I just, I just kind of did it my way, and I wouldn't change a thing about it. But people did think I was crazy, um, including my mom. But she went with it, and in the end, I think a lot of her friends were commenting about it after, and so that was like the best gratification I could get. <laughs> we walk through old photos of the prep cooking actually happening. There's a picture of Jill stirring a pot of chowder about as wide as she is tall. 
There's Anoki rolling, with her standing over a huge flower-covered table piled with dough. There's her pantry for the weekend, stockpiled in a way that would give doomsday preppers a run for their money. And, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My facial expressions are like, oh, man, what What have I done? (laughs) Look at the bay leaves. I think there's like 20 bay leaves. But, you know, we, we both took the week before off to prepare the food. And I had done a lot of prepping, like the eggplant and the red peppers three weeks before. So those were done. And we had such a blast. We melted. <laughs> we melted the handles of my mother's um, stove. Oh, my gosh. My husband, John, quickly replaced them. but Was that because the pot was The pot was over it. <laughs> they were plastic. It was less than ideal kitchen. It's not my, like, dream kitchen. But, you know, I've worked in always less than ideal situations. But, yeah, this was kind of sad. <laughs> But yeah, we had so much fun. These are the potatoes for the gnocchi. Give you an idea of how many potatoes. How many is that? Two, four, six, eight, ten. That's about 70 potatoes probably. We had a blast. It was kind of like we were laughing and kind of thinking we were crazy the whole week, but we had a good time doing it. And then when everyone started arriving on Thursday, we were kind of bummed out. Like we had so much fun together and then it got a little hectic and then it felt like, Oh God, now it's really happening. But the, the pre-prep, like all that early prep was really great. Like the grocery shopping it was just the two of us, no kids. <laughs> now that I think back, like we had no kids. It was really, we had a good time. It was kind of a validation that we should be getting married by doing this. Maybe that's what everyone should do is like cook their wedding dinner with their future spouse to make sure they actually should be married. <laughs> the ultimate test. I think it, I think it's a, it's a good one. Was there a moment during the prep or, I mean, it sounds like it, there wasn't, but was there a moment during the prep or maybe during the wedding itself? where you were like, oh my gosh, I should not have agreed to cook for these this many people. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was when I was doing gnocchi rolling, and at the end of the night, my back really started hurting. It went all day. It was like me over a table, bent over, rolling gnocchi from like 9 until 9. And at 9 o'clock at night, we were like, let's go get a beer and go out. And I, I my, my great-aunt Linda was like the sweetest kind of grandma, Italian grandma, and she was kind of always a little, like, short and hunched over a little, and I felt like her that night. I was just like, oh, my God, how am I going to walk on, down the aisle in a few days? My back really hurts, and I feel hunched over. So it was that moment that I was like, this might have been a little crazy. But And most of my colleagues at work thought I was crazy, which was surprising because I was at the New York Times, and you know, I was working with a lot of food people, but I was actually not just at the, the magazine. I was also at tea and I was working with the fashion people. So they, they really thought I was crazy. So you were saying before that you haven't made this recipe in eight years since your wedding. This is the first time in eight years. I know that's crazy. I should be making this all the time because actually from start to finish, if you make a, a half batch, it's a lot. It's so easy. It takes 45 minutes to make, including the sauce. Um, so I should be making this for my family often. But you burned yourself out on it. I burned out. Why gnocchi? Why gnocchi? Good question. So we, we used to eat at um, Barbara Lynch's place, the butcher shop, the gnocchi often because it was so exceptional. It was very good. And I always, I was always making gnocchi out of Lydia's book at that time. So gnocchi just seemed like it was, it was a little, it wasn't pasta. I could have used dried pasta. But that just didn't feel, like, wedding-worthy. But gnocchi, like, handmade, you know, I just felt like it was a little more special for a pasta. Was it 
it like ricing 70 potatoes? Um, <laughs> it's um, exhausting, I guess. It's the really best hot. word. Hot, yeah. Hot and exhausting. And steamy. Like, I definitely t- had, like, a nice, you know, forget, like, going to a beauty, like, a salon and having, like, a facial for my wedding. I had... I had a gnocchi facial, <laughs> gnocchi steam facial, potato steam. It was lovely. So then you rice and see all that steam that comes off? That's what you need to get. You re- remove from the potatoes all that moisture. I asked Jill if anything went wrong, if there are any disasters with the food or the cooking or the serving. She says no. Instead, she tells me about her wedding dress. I, I hired this woman like the Lower East or the East Village to make my dress. And I got her name in, like, New York Mag, and I wanted something, like, cute but not overly crazy. And she made a be- like, we, we designed it together. So I drive up, I, like, try it on, and I drive up on the day of, you know, the week before the wedding because I was going to go start cooking. And on the drive up, I take it out of the bag to show my mother, and it was all frayed. And so she hadn't, like, used those scissors to, like, clamp because it was lots of layers, mm-hmm. like, it was really cute layers. And it was like a, a halter top, and then it would kind of go, wait, went out into more of an A-line and all these cute little layers. So they were all frayed. So I was like, this is not okay. My first sh- thought was like, oh, my God. Like, I can, I can fix this, though. But then, but then this is where it got bad. So then I sent it back. And my mother asked that I add, like, another layer to the bottom because she thought it was a little short. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I don't care. And I came back. It was, like, actually crooked. And that was, like, two days before the wedding. And that's when I really, like, freaked. And it was, like, I, I, I cried. But but I, sa- I always say that, like, I think I would have been even more distraught had I not had 115 people to cook for. Mm-hmm. Because it really, like, got my mind off the dress. It was, like, the dress was not as important as the food. Later, I press. Was there anything that went awry with the prep? Because surely something is bound to happen when you're cooking for that many people, practically by yourself. Still no. But she tells me about our DJ. Not really? Gosh, yeah. Everything went... Our DJ went awry. Our DJ was horrible. He was, like, <laughs> on some sort of drug that I don't know, and he was off, and he started yelling at people. Yeah, that was really crazy. Nothing went r- wrong with the food, which, I mean, if I could have the wedding of my choice, that would be the the way it goes. It's exactly how I wanted my wedding to be, you know, just really chill. Um, and that's what it was. So even though there was, there was a moment, I think the biggest like kind of glitch, biggest glitch for me, um, at the wedding was like the day of just the panic of like making sure my friends who were the caterers knew where everything was. Um, that was kind of the real, like, Oh my God, this is really happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm not there to actually execute it all. So that was kind of the the panic um, right before. When you tell people you're going to cater your own wedding, everybody kind of wants to help and wants to jump in. And so, like, Tim jumped in, and my friends were so willing to cater it the day of and or to execute the catering, you know. And and then my friend Robert Steinberg, who owned Schaffenberger Chocolate, he's, he's since passed, but he bought our, as a wedding gift, bought all the chocolate for our brownies. And I had written an article about these anchovy fishermen, and they sent the anchovy. I wanted some anchovies with ricotta on each table, and they, they sent them over gratis, which was really lovely. And so everybody, you know, it, was, it really felt like my, my good friend who I used to work on TV shows with, like Ming's cooking TV shows in the kitchen, she made all the cookies for like the giveaway little 
what do you call it? The take-home bag. And they were beautiful. They were all cape-themed with little, like, all different kinds of sea creatures and clamshells, and it was really sweet. So everybody really, it was really beautiful, like how so many different people kind of helped make the wedding happen. It wasn't just John and I. And I think that's what what made it so special because it really felt like we were having a party at our home and people were bringing gifts and we were the hosts. Yeah. And there was no point where I felt like, you know, God, I'm disappointed with something. You know, it was all just the way I wanted it. It takes a village to cater your own wedding. For Jill, that meant the help of friends and family and freezers heaped with gnocchi and sauce. I asked her if she would do it again. She would, she said. She totally would. This episode of Burnt Toast is brought to you by Sahali Snacks, a company making great-tasting snacks and creating unique takes on familiar flavors. Sahali uses dry-roasted whole nuts and combines them with naturally dried, preservative-free fruits, along with ingredients like honey, lemongrass, and balsamic vinegar for their nut and fruit mixes. They're also working to do some good in the world, from donating snacks to local food banks to working to improve supplier communities in Vietnam. Learn more at sahalisnacks.com. We wondered what other people in the food world had to say about weddings, maybe as advice for Jill's 10-year anniversary party, maybe as cautionary tales for people planning weddings now, or maybe to prove once and for all that fondant should never, ever be on wedding cakes. So we asked. This is Dan Pashman from the Sporkful Food Podcast at WNYC. Wedding cake, it's not very good. Most wedding cake is not very good. Fondant is an abomination. Serve pie, serve brownies or cookies, serve ice cream, serve something that people can eat while standing up and mingling so that their blood keeps flowing and that they have energy and that your party is better. It'll be more delicious and it'll be more fun. I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton. And we make the podcast Spilled Milk. So we served chocolate chip cookies at our rehearsal dinner, and people are still talking about those chocolate chip cookies. So I feel like, you know, you don't have to have a fancy dessert. Like, if you're into chocolate chip cookies, maybe you're into peanut butter cookies, whatever. Serve what you really love. People will love it, too. In your wedding invitation, the little RSVP card, right? Well, ask your guests when they RSVP to tell you what their favorite song to dance to is. So that that way, when they're at the wedding and it's dance time, there's at least one song that they want to totally freak out to. I want to go to this wedding. I don't know how weird this makes me, but the song I'm going to choose is Belle and Sebastian, Dirty Dream Number 2. Yeah, man. Own it. Okay. I, I think I would write, I think I'd go with like Katy Perry, Teenage Dream. Nice. Who, who doesn't love that? I'm going to be on that dance floor. This is Ryan Patrick Sutton. I'm calling from Eater. I'm the chief food critic and data lead. If you're getting married, uh, please, just please don't have a sit down dinner, man. Just, you know, chill out. Just have a buffet, have a hors d'oeuvre hour, because, I mean, when you're at a wedding it's and you have that sit-down dinner, it's like you're in a restaurant with, like, 50 of your closest friends, and you can't go over to talk to them because you've you got to wait for your, your chance to eat at, at your little personal plate that they set with that little place card. And that's it for this episode of Burnt Toast. Our producer is Tim Einenkel, and thanks also to Laura Mayer, Henry Malofsky, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter address is at Food52, and you can email us at editors at food52.com. 
If you like the show, tell everyone you know and subscribe to us on iTunes. And tell us what you think about food served at weddings. Tweet your thoughts and hashtag them with F52Podcast. For Jill Santo-Pietro and all of our Food World friends, I'm Kenzie Wilbur. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Amanda Hesser, a co-founder of Food 52. And I believe that at your wedding, you should always serve something that can be eaten with your hands. We did that, and it was such a great way of, you know, relaxing people and getting them to talk to each other. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beat in cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great in clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024.